Shall we? Showbiz. Show- <laughs> welcome to Showbiz. Guys, welcome to Nathan K. Gingerbread Podcast. Today on the couch, I've got Dr. Sarah. We're going to be discussing all things health, medical, maybe the first job that she had, which is quite interesting, which I've heard a little bit about. Um, but Sarah, I mean, just tell me about, you know, tell us about where you grew up, how yeah. life was as a child, how you, you know, what you, how you dreamed of becoming a doctor. Okay, yeah, me in a nutshell. Um, so I grew up in Ealing uh, with a 2.4 family, so <laughs> mum, dad, brother, um, in, in a nice little suburban area. Uh, it's called the Queen of the Suburbs in Ealing. Um, and went to school there, went to high school there. Um, and so I, yeah, didn't move very much. I had a very stable, boring background. Um, and... I guess in terms of kind of medicine, I always wanted to do it as far as I knew. Was being a doctor something that you dreamed of as a child? Like since, you know, you know that you play doctors and nurses? Yeah, yeah. You were always a nurse? I, in all honesty, I can't ever remember wanting to do anything but that. I always thought, that's it. That was just, that was it. That was just my role. Like there was literally never a question. Um, and I always thought it was my decision, my, my preference, but we were watching home videos and um, the other day my, my brother was interviewing me, it must have been about seven, and he was like, why, what do you want to be when you're old? And I said, I want to be a doctor. Um, and he was like, why do you want to be a doctor? And I said, because dad's making me. And so honestly, I cannot ever remember my parents ever making me, but you know, we're, we're an Arab family. Um, every Arab child is always a doctor. So I guess somewhere along the lines that that infiltrated. But in my mind, I had full autonomy and it was, you know, a decision I wanted to make and it was the best decision I made. So, okay, you grew up, you've gone through school. Yep. Gone through, done your A-levels. Yep. At school. Yep. Or somewhere else. No, no, stayed, stayed at the same school. Yep. So all the way through. Um, so never moved anywhere. So hadn't like I only ever moved house once, and I could see my old house from my oh, new house. Nice. So I was a uh, kind of super stable, same friendship groups for the last you know fifteen years, <laughs> and then suddenly I'm like, oh god, I got to go to uni and meet all these new people. <laughs> but that was so fun. It was so good to just get to university, live out, for, you know, for was the it, first time. Was it a dream to actually get, you know, go to uni and be studying the thing that you actually loved? Yeah, I, 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 part of me couldn't believe that I was actually there, but then the other half of me is like, well, I've worked pretty darn hard for this. <laughs> like, if I wasn't here now, like, when would I? So, um, yeah, it was, it was a big dream to get there, um, and it was fun. So, your first paid role. Yeah. So, you finished university, you've had a blast. You met your husband? Not at university. Ah. No, no, no. I met my husband several years later because um, he went to university with my brother. Ooh. And um, my brother had a house party, <laughs> uh, which he invited us both to. And I, I, I clapped eyes on him in a corner of a room. He made me a drink called a Mandela, <laughs> um, where you mix. Uh, spiced rum and Guinness and Coke in one drink and he was like Sarah try this and I was I was like so enamored by his face um, that I was like yeah this is great and so he kept making more and more I can't drink that much next thing you know we're having a little snog um, and my brother's chucking us out of his house party because he absolutely uh, detested the idea that I would be with you know uh, with his- one of his friends 
and all of his friends did take the piss quite heavily. Um, but then we got married. You got there? Yeah. You know, that's that really. Celebrate. Once we got the ring on. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Um, so your first paid role. So you became a doctor. Yeah. A junior doctor. Yeah. And tell me about being a junior doctor. How did that all start? I mean, I mean, did you have to apply? So you finished yeah, university. Yeah, so you finished university, and then you have to do these kind of big forms, you know, lauding yourself up, saying why you're so brilliant, and um, presenting all the kind of publications you've done, all the results you had, all the merits you got at university, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So yeah. like a CV. Um, and then you apply, you rank all the different hospitals that you want to work in, um, from one to 100. Oh and determining, but determined by the by essentially the, the the CV they send off, they they put you into one of those those hospitals. And you can't. So you obviously you put your favorite, your preferred list, yeah. but they just put you in anyone. It yeah. Doesn't matter where, how far, where it is. Exactly. And you just take that opportunity and you run with it. Yeah, you basically don't have much of a choice. Were you lucky enough? The thing is, is if you apply for one of the jobs in London, you have to, they're linked, because it's a two-year junior doctor thing, um, they're linked to, one of the other places has to be outside of London. And mm. this is, again, me who never leaves London. I love <laughs> London. I was like, uni at London, school at London, everything at London. And so I, did, I got my first choice, um, which was Guys and St. Thomas's, which is where mm. I trained. Because I was like, I've trained there, I know it again, creature of habit. <laughs> Um, and so I got it and I was like, yeah, but it had to be linked to somewhere else. And that somewhere else was Worthing. Mm. Um, now Worthing is, I'm sorry for anyone that's from Worthing, but it's quite quiet. <laughs> um, we used to label it as uh, God's waiting room, oh, God. um, because it's really old, yep. you know, so it's elderly population. Um, and so I struggled a bit there, but it was quite close to Brighton. So weekends and stuff, you'd have loads of fun in Brighton. It would be great. But it's just, Worthing is a very small town. Sure. Um, but you get through it. It's a year. Done. That's it. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah, and then straight back to London. So, yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> um, being a, so what's this thing about Wednesday? There's a Wednesday or something in oh, August God. or yeah. September. So, so Black Wednesday. Um, that is when so it's the first wednesday in august when all the doctors change over and change into new roles or you'll you first finish university and that is the first day you start as a junior doctor <laughs> and so if you have you know avoid getting ill on the first wednesday in in august must be chaos oh my god it's it's insane no one knows what they're doing <laughs> everyone is freaking out like it's just it's just about getting through those first kind of few That's the weeks. first Wednesday in August, yeah? Yeah. So it could effectively be a first. I need to find out what day I was, but I was born on the 31st of July. I think there may be something wrong with me, possibly because someone may be delivered or maybe one of the junior midwives yeah. dropped me on my head or something. It, it was, it was, yeah, it was, you can blame the junior doctors because we had no idea what we were doing. Wow. Um, and we were so well supported by, by the nurses. That's why I, I have got such an affinity to nurses because they're the ones that are kind of the the continuum throughout it they don't change over at that same time and so they're the only people that actually know what the hell's going on (laughs) and so I would not have gone through my first two years without their help I just they're mind-blowingly good wow yeah once you find a good nurse you you hold on to them to dear life you make friends with them you bring them chocolates and you hope that they help you so where was your first practice where where were you first based as a gp yeah so after my first two years you then have to do three years of training to become a gp wow yeah so it's it's 
it's a long, so it's the six years at university, two years as a junior, three years as a GP, a trainee, and then you become a GP. Are you listening to this? It's a long slog. That's what, 11 years? I've done my maths right. Oh my God. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's 11 years to get to be a GP. And uh, my very first practice was at Ballon Park Surgery, which was where I started GPs behind closed doors. Oh, nice. Um, so that, if you had not seen it, is a program where it's like fixed grid cameras, so little cameras in your consultation room. And um, they basically just ask you to do your normal clinic and they're just watching. And they get obviously consent from all the patients beforehand. And in the first couple of weeks, you're freaking out because you want to like look perfect, say everything perfectly. <laughs> They're there for six months. By oh, the wow. end of it, you're just like, I don't even care. Yeah. You're like picking your nose in the camera and just like <laughs> scratching your bum and it's all fine. Um, <laughs> Is that a first on TV that you pick your nose in? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually that disgusting. I don't. But, you know, it gets to the point where you really don't care yeah. kind of what's happening. And um, you are just yourself by the end of it. And, and so, yeah, that was a little bit of a big break for me. So how did the TV then, is that how it came yeah, through it this? Yeah, it came from that. So that ended up being a bit of a success. Um, and someone from this morning had seen it and said, we'd really like you to come on to this morning to just do um, and do a little trial run with us. So I did that and then that kind of snowballed. And then since then I've had to do loads of fun stuff. So would you say that maybe like getting, you know, you enjoy the TV work before? I, I love it. You know, yeah, it's so much fun. I think... Um, Doing normal GP work is grounding yeah. and it's and it's beautiful. It's it's so beautiful. You get to meet great people and you get to help and do something actually good. Yeah, amazing. And like TV work, sometimes it's very it's very superficial and that's that's fun. It's good to, it's fun to have that slight, you know, dichotomy in your life or else you're always intense. But also it reaches a much larger audience. So, you know, in your GP practice you're teaching one person something. Yeah. On this morning, nine, you know, seven million people are watching, and yeah. you can teach seven million people something. Yeah. Um. So, there are some really nice benefits. Great balance, yeah. like you know, amazing contrast. Yeah. yeah mate, like brilliant. Like yeah. how could, you know, but. And you get your hair and makeup done. <laughs> <laughs> but you always, you always look fabulous. Every time you know we've seen you, always look you always look great. Um, just going back to sort of how you got into the TV. So, would you say it was a bit of like pot luck that maybe that they chose that particular cert that. Um, so, it's luck that they came to the surgery, yeah. um, then when they came and they said, you know, everyone was like, no, we're not doing this, absolutely not. And I was like, what? No, we've got to, this is, I really want to do this, because I'd always said I want to be a TV doctor. <laughs> no, Honestly, really? Honestly, I'd always like, been like, I could do, I could do what Dr. Hillary does, I could do that. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Hillary, I know I meet Dr. Hillary all the time now, and then I feel bad saying, I could do what you do, but I probably can't do that. But, um... Yeah, it's, uh, I always said, oh, it'd be really fun to be a TV doctor. So when they came, I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want. And, and I said that to them. I was like, this is a dream. You've got to do this. And then all the doctors were like, oh, we don't really want to be filmed. Like, you know, blah, blah. <laughs> and so it, it ended up being, I managed to, you know, six people were convinced they needed eight to be able to go ahead and wow. do it. So I spent the next like three weeks being like, Come on, you can do this. Come on. I just poked incessantly at my colleagues. Incessantly. So when you want something enough, yeah, just, go uh, get it. Yeah. Just be that little terrier. Yeah. Um, so I, um, yeah, eventually they said yes to it. And so we went ahead and did it. But we were close to not, not doing it. Wow. And so everything would have been so different. Could have been. It's weird. You know, it, we could have no 
Dr. Sarah. I know. I mean, you what may we have do? been better for it. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel really lucky. But also, I do think there's a slight ferocity in some people that you need to have. Like, you need to let that out sometimes. Yeah. Just to, to, to get what you want. That sounds really petty. But if you've got a dream, you've got to, you've got to fight for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, no one else can do it for you, are they? Yeah. So, what are you doing now? So you're currently a GP. Yeah. You're, uh, you are doing ITV this morning, yeah. which is brilliant. I see, I, I've seen a lot of your clips. I, obviously, I'm at work. I know, well, that's when, the thing. Everyone, you know, like, I know doesn't, <laughs> doesn't watch me because they're like, oh, well, we're at work between 10.30 and 12.30 every day. I'm like, well, of course you are, but um, there are other people that don't. Maternity leave. I'm just waiting for all my friends to go on maternity <laughs> leave to be able to watch me again. <laughs> when you first went onto ITV, did you ever record your series and then watch them when you got home? I used Being to. It, yeah. yeah, I used to at the beginning. And I'd be like, I'd like poke and prod at myself. I'd be like, oh my God, you look so stupid there. Oh my God, you're doing such stupid faces. And I kept like hyper-analyzing myself. Now I do not go anywhere near it. I'm no. like, I've come to realize that I can't do anything about these expressions that I do. Like, it's just me. So you just That's gotta it. let it go. And does your husband still watch? He does, he does, bless him. Well, when I tell him to, I'm like, can you watch it? Because then I, I know I'll always get positive feedback from him. Like, as if he'd ever be like, no, you, you look kind of dumb. Yeah. Like, he'd never say that. So he always returns with, you looked great, you sounded confident. And I'm like, mm, oh. okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I make and, him watch it. Because you, you come across very confident on, you know, on the TV. And you come across very composed. And, but do you still look for that recognition when you get home? It's like, you know, how was it? Like, do you still have that sort of that vulnerability? Yeah, definitely. And also, I don't think people can... I don't think you can grow unless you can try and understand where your f- faults and flaws are. So by no means am I saying, like, I would never try and look at myself on it, but I just don't want to analyze things that I can't change. Yeah. So I can't change my face, I can't change the way I act, but you know, maybe I can go back and say, oh, maybe I should speak a bit slower in this, or maybe I should try and you know, emphasize certain other areas within the medical chat. You know? yeah. So it's more about trying to, to analyze Critiquing it to help other that, people yeah. and to try and you know, make my message a little bit clearer. And I think that's okay, but. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay not to be perfect. No of one's course. perfect. Of course. No, agreed. But you know, this is the whole point is that you know, people will look at someone too and go, "Oh my god, they you know, they don't need any help or they don't need any confidence or they don't speak to people about their issues or their problems or whatever it might be." And that's just not true. Oh god, it's it's light. If anyone turns around and said they're completely 100% confident in everything they do, everything they say and everything, you know, yeah. how they feel, then it, it's just not it's not true. It's human nature. We 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 developed to to question ourselves because that's how evolution continues yeah. you know we can't that's how we get better as well exactly so it's okay yeah i think we're all flawed and i think that's a it's a beautiful thing because that's how that's how growth happens yeah because I've, I've spoke to a lot of people i mean a lot of people have called and have sent me messages and some people you know just they they lack that confidence yeah. and they look at other people and they see people on social media or on tv and they go oh my god their life's so perfect and, and i'm like listen mate it's not, it's, not yeah. it's, it's smoke and mirrors it's you know it's for the tv it's for it's a face it's yeah, a screen yeah. it's nothing you know it's not what their home life is about it's not what when they finish work how they feel 100%. Like but I think things are changing people are like well okay I, I I say this but originally on Instagram everyone's putting their 
best faces forward mm. and and that I can understand why why wouldn't you you want to show everyone like the best and yeah. this is what you know your life could be positive and, or, and yeah this is my happy my happy time so you don't sit you know you don't put up the photos with you like with bogey halfway down your face because you've been <laughs> crying because of you know you just don't put those ones up but more and more people are starting to put those ones up yeah um and, and and that's a nice it's a good thing it's a good thing to be able to show all of your sides um yeah. I think where people got stuck because I remember there was a time of the Facebook when everyone was on Facebook yeah. and people then started putting negative stuff about their lives on there uh -huh. and it got shut down totally where people go like I don't you know I don't care about your issues I don't care about your problems or whatever it might be yeah. and then people just started going to Instagram because it was all happy stuff like you said and now it's like well actually no it's okay not to be okay yeah. and it's okay to tell the people look because some people use social media as a way of letting it out yeah and people don't realise that. Yeah. It's like, look, they're not telling you that they've got an issue because they, they think it's okay to be okay. They're telling you because that's how that's their release. Because they might not be able to tell someone face yeah, to face, face or might not be able to see a psychotherapist or whatever it might be. So Instagram and social media is their way of going, I'm unhappy today. Yeah. Um, and you should never shut them people down. No, 100%. Like, that, I guess the only problem with that is sometimes people put that up and then if they don't get a response back that's positive, like what... I think I think we need to find other ways, not just via social media, to, yeah. to have that release. You need to have a support network that that's that's truly tangible, that's there, rather than relying on the validation of other people to to, to help you through it. 100%. And, that, and that's the only problem I, I I sometimes feel about it. I just want to make sure that those people that are putting up those help me messages are actually getting, getting the help, help. They, yeah. that they need. And it's really sad, like, because if they're not getting the help, where do they go to for help? And I spoke to, I had uh, Zoe Aston from the Mind Gym. She came in and she, you know, she's trying to, you know, she's called it the Mind Gym as opposed to, you know, psychotherapy. Yeah. Like in America, you have a shrink and it's part of your everyday life yeah. to go to somebody and say, I've got a problem. I feel like this, you know, just listen to me. Um, here, there seems to be that stigma about oh, it. Yeah. Um, and it, there shouldn't be. You, you should be able to go to somebody and say, I've got a problem, I take a deep breath, let's talk about it and just sort of let it out. Oh, um, I, yeah, we, we need it to be a preventative medicine kind of thing. So I feel like in the UK we have, uh, we, we're, we're starting to increase our awareness of mental health, but it's so reactive still. It's, I feel depressed, so then you see your doctor and then they refer you. But in the States with kind of having a therapist just on hand always yeah. they do it as a preventative thing to stop yourself to, from getting to the point where it's causing a you know a distraction to your usual life so you go to them regularly to just have a chat and get some advice and, and you know and and it's so that you prevent becoming mentally unwell yeah so it's not cure it's just a yeah, yeah. it's prevention you need to be more preventative rather than reactive 100 percent, because in this kind and i've always noticed that people just go to the doctors and they get some pills and Doctor sends them home. Yeah. Is that right? I mean, is, is, is that what is that what doctors are doing? That like just take some pills. In an absolute ideal world, it's meant to be mainly preventative, uh, so that we stop there from having to be a reactive yeah. medicine. Here's your pills. But the problem is, is that we just we're not having the funding. We're not having the time. In ten minutes, it's hard to oh go through God. everyone's life and try and figure out how they can prevent diseases and. And, it, and it's really sad that it's become like that because now we are just kind of, people are coming in, I've got this problem, okay, take this, do this. And, yeah. And, and that's not always the answer. Um, we need, just I, a quick, I, I want more time. I want more time with people. Just, there just isn't time there, that's the thing. Yeah. Because you know, if, if you give more time to people, there's a bigger waiting list, there's a bigger waiting list, there's more issues. And well, it's just, 
so, so we get we get 10 minutes per patient, okay? So that's our, our 10 minutes lot. By the time the patient has come up the stairs, taken off the coat, sat down, then start to tell you the problem, and in that time you have to write up the consultation. I mean, how, how do they expect us to be able to, to, to offer lifestyle advice, you know, lifestyle modifications, you know, how, how are we supposed to do all that and, and actually treat the, the problem they've come in for? It's, it's hard work. That is, it is, isn't it? It's mind-blowing. <laughs> like, there just clearly isn't enough, there aren't enough doctors, no? Yeah. Uh, well, the number of GPs have gone down. Yeah. Uh, why do you think that is? Um... Is it the training? Is it, is it the length of time it's taken them to get there? Um, so the number of people that are going through to medical school isn't necessarily going down. But uh, the problem is, is that a lot of people are either taking early retirement um, because it, because of burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, we are worked quite hard. I mean, I know loads of professionals worked very hard. I know that. But I, 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 you know, I think because of the pressures of being a doctor, um, sometimes that feels that a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, people are taking early retirement. People are just leaving um, medicine full stop and going to the city, doing other kind of jobs that you know you, that are easily enough transferably you know to transfer over to. Um, but also, I think yeah, we're, we're probably not taking care of the profession enough. But we're also. Um, we're not inspiring people enough like mm. to want to be GPs and to want to be doctors because the whole point of being a doctor is you want to help people, so, you want yeah, to do something good, you want to, you know, you want to feel that feeling and that 10 minutes doesn't often get you that feeling and so then what, so I guess a lot of people are thinking what's the point but if everyone keeps doing that then really what's the point, we'll have no one so yeah. uh, you know we need to get out of the mindset of of well, ten minutes isn't enough, and just try and find ways to make ten that minutes enough. enough. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, yeah, finding a solution instead of just yeah. moaning about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So it's just just about that. I think and people are doing it. Yeah, they trying to come up with solutions. Yeah, people people are people are doing things, and actually some of them are just you know taking it back to basics, like doing you know nutrition classes for 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 schools or yes, of um, you know like teaching actually going going to medical schools and teaching nutrition teaching lifestyle to to the doctors so yeah. they have much better base to to work from is do you not think then so a lot of people okay and, and no disrespect to anybody out there but people that just go to the doctors because they feel they're unwell and it's probably not all the time but a waste of 10 minutes when when what i'm saying is is that they can be given information beforehand which they would have known yeah and they thought they can make a decision like I don't need to go to the doctors. Yeah. Does that make sense? So are we are we are we as people not giving people the right information? Is that what it is? Like, like are people back not in the day people? I mean, can you imagine you know people during the wartime going to their GP for a cold? You know, it no, happen. it wouldn't happen. And and part of that's because actually when we're restricted enough we realize that there are other ways of seeking information and other ways of treating yourself. But also like. Things like old wives' tales used to be passed down a lot. You know, you'd be told by your mum what to do for this or that, and it kind of it kind of went down. But I think through the ages, we've kind of lost that. We've yeah. lost that self-management um, ability. And anytime something bad happens, we do, you know, go to seek um, expertise care. Sure. But 
I guess if we did provide better information to people, they wouldn't have to. There are loads of public health um, campaigns that are trying to do that. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if they're reaching far enough. And, and maybe that's our own fault. Maybe I'm not, you know, uh, you know, as, as a media medic or, <laughs> I hate that term, but you know, <laughs> as, as someone in the media who's a doctor, um, maybe I'm not promoting those kind of healthcare campaigns enough. Yeah. We try to, but I think, I think we need to go further in education. Yeah, agreed, 100%. So, some questions have come in. Uh-huh. Some wonderful questions from some lovely people. you guys have been kind to me. Yeah. No, that should be really nice. <laughs> uh, okay, so the first question. Um, what is key to health and happiness? Oh, God, that's a big question, though. Crikey. Um, so, <laughs> I know, that's chunky. I mean, key to happiness is partly health so I guess they do kind of fit nicely but obviously happiness in itself has so many other facets to it it's not just health it's relationships it's you know um work it's you know all the other aspects but I guess the key to health um in my mind is kind of what we were saying before preventative medicine so getting to the point where you're healthy enough not to get unwell so it's the exercise it's the diet it's the sleep the you know mental health preparation so mindfulness meditation all those things i got like a little four pillar four pillars of health um so i think it's about getting all of those into balance mm-hmm. but somehow also holding up a job <laughs> just all of those and a job <laughs> okay fine um lucas asks what's your most embarrassing moment either in the doctor in the in the surgery or in a studio <laughs> Um, so one of them kind of works for both really. One, on, there was an episode on GPs behind closed doors where, bless him, this lovely patient comes in. He, was, he must have been about 20 and he's got braces and he's really sweet. And like, he's just, oh, so cute. And he sits down and he's like, oh, um, my foreskin's really painful when I get an erection. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, God, this is all on TV. He doesn't know this is on TV, right? And I'm like, I, I, afterwards, I had to double check that you were aware. You have given consent to this. But and then she does this. And he's like chatting, chatting away about it. And then I have to examine him. And again, on TV. But what they've done is tried to tastefully change it so that they only focused on his face whilst I was examining down below. But obviously, he's like, but the pain's only when I have the erection. I'm like, oh, I'm praying that he doesn't get an erection on TV. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, all you see is his face doing these really funny, <laughs> funny like pictures, um, funny expressions whilst, whilst I'm like, mm, in the background. So that was pretty good. Wow, that is, that is great one, I like that. Um, Sophie, if you could change your name, what would it be and why? Oh, so I really like the name Yasmin, mm-hmm. kind of because it's like Jasmine, <laughs> and I really, I, I, I am Princess Jasmine. Me and, like me and my my best mate have a running joke that I'm like I'm I'm Princess Jasmine. I'm like unhand him by the command of the. Yeah, I'm just, I, I love it. I I've seen I've seen the the play. I haven't gone to the cinema yet, but and I I, I know every line to that cartoon off Same. by heart. Yeah. So I would like to be called Jasmine only because Jasmine's too obvious. Yeah, but it's a great film. I mean, the, I mean, I watched it. I, mean, I, I used to know every single word right. as well. It was the best ever. The best Disney 
like by I've ever far. seen. Yeah, hundred percent. By far. Yeah. Um and right. yeah, I just I just like the Arabness of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, see, you, go, you said you went to the theatre. Yeah. That was brilliant as so well. Good. It was really good. But you haven't been to cinema to see. I'll probably no. wait to at home to see that. No, but I think it needs to be. It needs to be big. Big? Is it out now? Yeah. Oh, God. Go. I'll try. Okay. No, we'll do, we'll do, a, we'll do a double date. We'll do, okay. All right. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah. And Natasha loves it as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Rupert? Yeah. Well, yeah. he will. He'll, he will do he'll it. Okay. Um, all right. So we're going to that. Emily DX asked, do you remember your first time on screen and how did it make you feel? Um, okay. So I think there's quite a difference between first time on screen live. I think she probably meant live, more live. ITV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so very first time, I was so nervous, and <laughs> I spent three days trying to decide what to wear. <laughs> but now I'm just like, whatever. But that time, I actually went to the shops, and I remember going into River Island and being like, um, guys, I'm going to be on TV in a few days. <gasps> Dress me. <laughs> and they were just like, well, let's uh, just get whatever, whatever you like. I was like, I don't think you understand the gravitas of what I've just told you. I'm going to be on live TV. They didn't care. So I ended up getting a bright orange outfit. Probably not ideal. Um, and, and sitting there and just being like, do I have to look into the camera? No one tells you. Really? They, they, you, they, you just get put there and they're like, okay, so just go. And <laughs> no one tells you, do you look straight into the camera? Do you look at Holly and Phil? Do you look at your colleagues? I was just like... So I kind of just kept flitting between the two, like I had this big bobble head. Um, so yeah, I freaked out, but now I know what I'm doing. It's okay because all I talk about is medicine and that's something I know. Yeah. So, so the worst of it is it's done. done I know yeah. it. But you feel, you feel fine now? Now I feel, feel totally fine, yeah. yeah. I, I used to have really sleepless nights just before. I could never sleep just before, but now I actually sleep. Oh, good. Yeah. You, you come across so well. Oh, um, so more of a question for me. So I've got other questions I'll come to, but how nice of Phil and um, Holly. No, like they're the ultimate oh, happy smilers. Oh my God, they? they're so nice. <laughs> my um, uh, perception of her changed from... Um, I'm, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Yeah, no. I, never it, watched yeah. Her, I never watched her on that. But what I find really funny is when she does Celebrity Juice and versus when she does um, This Morning, because This Morning's like proper squeaky clean. Yeah. And you're like, you know, <laughs> yeah. butter couldn't melt. And then Celebrity Juice, they're like being spanked and, <laughs> yeah. you know, all this yeah. other kind of stuff. You're like, hmm, you've got two sides. Yeah, yeah, it's quite cool. <laughs> do you think two personalities, personalities do have two sides? I mean, I know that... Yeah, I, I think you have. I, it's the same with every. You know, you go up. Everyone when they go to work, yeah. you got your suit on, your shirt. You know, you're sensible. It's it. You know, sensible Nathan. And then you leave, and you're like, shirt yeah. off. Let's go work. Good way of putting it, because Pete, you know, look, you know, you do have to put a face on for work, don't you? Sometimes, yeah. and you do have to, you know, come across as X, Y, or Z. And yeah, yeah okay, yeah. exactly. So it's it's not about kind of being two faced. It's just about your professional so, life and your personal. Yeah, life. Yeah, like that. But. Phil and Holly are lovely. It was very good. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so we've done that one. Uh, do you often pick up infections from dealing with people and ill people on a daily basis? I've become from Vaughan. so good at not getting colds. Like, I maybe get a cold every couple of years. A cold, not the flu? Oh, just a cold. Like, wow. a bug, like I've, I've been, I mean, kids, I've been sneezed into my mouth before. <laughs> So like, you know, when you're like, okay, just give me an ah, and then they go, Hachi, and you're going, ah, and it's just gone in. And so I have, yeah, I've been exposed to everything. And so thankfully, touch wood, it's really rare that I get unwell. But when I get unwell, mm. I get seriously unwell. Like I was in, I was in hospital as a junior doctor with a viral meningitis. And like, you, when I get ill, it, it's bad. But 
I don't get ill often at all. So would you say you've built up an immune system now? Oh, that God, you yeah. have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've been exposed to so many things now that just nothing affects it's me kind of... anymore. The only things that really annoy me is when I get skin infections. I got, I had impetigo once from a little kid. Um, so that's just like this kind of, staph so staphylococcus is a type of bacteria that can, um, that you can get a really nasty infection on. And I remember examining this kid, I washed my hands, I did everything I could, but I guess what he had done, he must have touched something and then touched it, or I don't know what he did. But next thing I know is two days later, Oh God. And I end up getting, so I've still got the scar. It's been about three years. I still got a small scar underneath. I've covered it up, but a little black mark underneath. Really? Where I've wow. from it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. And I've also had ringworm once. Oh God. So it's the skin stuff. But so now, yeah, okay. But, but most people get that stuff anyway. So no, it's, it's normal. Yeah. <laughs> but you've built up a good immune system. For oh yeah. Like I'm, I'm the Hulk. So, like, so it's maybe some good advice. Actually, it's okay to be around sick people because. Oh God, yeah. Like, like pick, up, pick the stuff up. And if you've got kids, yeah. like let them get go to nursery when other kids are ill let some other kids snot all over their face just get just build it up it's you're gonna be fine that's some really good advice actually yeah. actually because for, for young parents and you know with their first child let your kids hang around with the kids with all the disease, oh, not with the disease but all the illnesses yeah, and all the diseases, diseases. <laughs> just let them be kids and exactly. let them interact with each other don't take them out because the other kid's got a cold exactly like and the thing is, a load of parents really want their kids to get antibiotics as soon as they're unwell. But there's evidence to show that the more number, or the greater the number of antibiotics um, taken as a child, the higher the risk of getting things like asthma and other kind of allergic type of symptoms really? later on. So, really, if it, if it's not a bacterial thing, or even if it is bacterial, but you think your kid can get over it, let them try and like fight through it. Yeah, it's so much better for them. I like that. Okay. Um... So you grew up wanting to be a doctor, but what gave you the motivation to get through um, yeah. the, the, the times of like university and stuff? What's that? What was the motivation? Was it just your dream? Uh, but they've asked here, what you know? What was your motivation to get through seven years of university? Um, gosh, I think part of it is an out, like an A type of personality. I think most people who are you know who that kind of job role. Um, or, you know, people that are super successful, people like you, you know, like, we've all got that kind of personality where we, we don't want to fail, we want to succeed, and there's like this weird drive, and it's like a little competition that you have with yourself sometimes, mm. and you're like, I can do this, I can do this better, I can do it, and that kind of thing gets you through a lot, I think. Yeah. Um, it's not always a good thing, sometimes people need to learn, actually, I can't do it and now it's time to rest. Um, so I'm not saying it's the way everyone should be, but certainly it's what gets me through a lot. I have, I have an internal kind of competitive streak that makes me get through most things. Um, I also hate disappointing people. And it's, and it's only like even small things, like I hate being late. Just, you know, those kinds of, I just, I just don't ever like that face where someone's like, oh. And so I'm like, I, I can't disappoint anyone. So that kind of got you through. And then you've got all the support of your friends and all the people that you meet at uni who kind of, you just rally through it together. Yeah, that's true. Um, you just do. And then, and then also I thought, well, I'm good for nothing else. Yeah. Like all I've ever known is wanting to do medicine. All I can do is medicine. All I think I'd be good at is medicine. If I don't get through medicine, like you're well, in trouble. Who am I? <laughs> so you obviously never wanted to be on TV then. That obviously came by not by luck, but yeah. you know, just it, it, the opportunity came, yeah, yeah. so you took it absolutely. Would it, would you now go look? And you love 
being a GP, or you love being a doctor, yeah. and you're great at what you do, and you clearly have a massive passion for what you do, because every time you talk about medicine, your face just lights ah, up, So, yeah. which is amazing to see, because obviously knowing that you've got a doctor that really enjoys what they do is really refreshing. However, if you were to, you know, look, if there was a really good role maybe on TV, um, and we know that it's very lucrative, you know, to go onto TV, yeah. is that something that you would consider, actually, I would... Because you can still do medicine, but okay. on TV, yeah. I didn't mean... Like, oh, it's not one or the other. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I love the TV stuff. I do. I love all the series that I've been in, and like it's so much fun. And and actually, just being on the road is really fun. I did um, something called Twelve Hours to Cure Your Street with um, Dr. Christian, and we were on the road for like days on end, um, months even, and um, like separated by kind of weeks in between. And you just build up so much, so many relationships. It's so fun. Like you do a 12 hour filming day and then you're like, time for wine. <laughs> and, and you're just there. It's just fun. It's a lot of fun. And those are things you don't get to do, obviously, when you're doing your normal GP practice. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd jump at any opportunity like that, 100%. It's too, it's too fun to say no to. Yeah, okay. So what is next for you? So, I mean, look, you love helping people. Yeah. Um, you love advising people about, you know, everything from STIs to God knows what else, the coil, I've seen all your yeah, things about yeah. them. Yeah, which is brilliant. But what, what's next? So where, you know, where do you want to go to? What's the sort of the heights? Do you want to have your own practice? I don't know. Like... Um, so, I've, you know, I've been offered partnerships and things like this in the past and to me, it's not really about the title so much. Mm -hmm. I actually don't, I don't mind just being big salary GP, just bog standard. I have no like massive kind of urge to be anything bigger or better in, in that sense. Um, I think I'd love to kind of, I think if I, if I had all opportunities, I'd love to do a cookbook that was based on, on medical things. So like cooking for certain diseases or, you know, um yeah cooking for Crohn's or cooking for celiacs or you know and just every chapter being a different rest different types of recipes for different kind of problems yeah. i think that would be really fun because i love food and i love cooking um you need to team up with rob hobson then so uh he's a nutritionist who's coming on very soon oh. rob if you're watching this uh great nutritionist really good guy uh yeah he, he's wrote a brilliant book um oh, the detox kitchen bible um okay. yeah it's worth reading and yeah, maybe you can do something there. So you'd like to write a book? Yeah, so I'd love a, to do that. Yeah. Just write, maybe just write a book anyway, because I, I write, I do magazine, like I write in magazines every month and stuff like that, but I've never put together an actual book. So maybe that'd be fun. I could call myself an author. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just want to do loads more TV. I want to just, I want to get out there and just do lots of fun, stupid things. That's yeah. what I want to do. Fun and stupid things that make me happy. And that's not hard. I mean, I'm going about it the right way. <laughs> you are. Um, what does Dr. Sarah do in her in her spare time? Oh, well, I was doing loads of training because of the marathon, then fractured my ankle. So haven't I but I'm planning to get back into like training again because that makes me feel good. It's my it's my like little release mechanism. Mm -hmm. So lots of exercise. I do, as I say, like to cook. Um, I mainly just go out a lot, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I like to pretend to be a lot more profound now. I stay at home reading and uh, building things. I don't. I go out for lots of drinks. Um, <laughs> Why not? That's okay. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a social bean. If I'm not around people 
you know, if, if, if there are long periods of time where I don't get to see other people, I go a little bit stir crazy. Yep. Okay. So what bit, what bit of advice could you give someone looking to maybe become a doctor, looking to maybe get into TV possibly? Mm-hmm. What sort of advice could you give them maybe for... Let's start with maybe being a doctor. Yeah, so for being a doctor, it's, I think it's about getting in there early with, with it, with the idea that you want to be a doctor, because it's about trying to actually make sure that you're, you're right for the role, you know, do the work experience, get in there with, with you know, other doctors, ask to sit in with their clinics, doing all those kind of things, just to see if it really is for you, because, you know, as I said, six years is a long time mm. to do something that's not right for you. There are a few people that dropped out in the first couple of years of medical school because they realised, you know, that, that it's not for them. And it just seems like such a shame to go through all of that mm. to then find out, actually, uh, I'm not right for this. So I think just try and get as much information of, about it as you can. Yeah. Um, but also just stick at it so we all go through those slumps and in that six years I, you know there would have been slumps where I'm like I'm out yeah. if I have to put my finger up one more bum or so you know <laughs> it would have been something like that that like <laughs> um the straw that that broke the camel's back, back yeah um but you just stick through it because in the end of the day what's a finger up a bum it's okay <laughs> um so I think stick with it yeah don't be grossed out by things that you think you are grossed out by because it's okay. You'll get over it and it becomes just a funny little anecdote <laughs> for later. Um, and then about getting into TV, I, I do think it's about really making connections, networking um, and being quite persistent. Mm. Um, I'm not very good at selling myself. So loads of people are very good at kind of putting their best features forward and telling everyone about how great they are. Um, and that actually really works. I've seen other people do it and it works. You get really good jobs and you network really well by doing it. I'm awful at doing that. And I think that's probably something I need to work on. Um, just, you know, bigging myself up a little bit. Um, because I always thought that that's just a really, you know, I don't know, selfish, weird kind of thing to do, but it works in TV world. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but it works. Yeah. And what's it like, radio? Radio is fun because you can sit in your pyjamas in your bed and just like, yes, the rates of STIs are going up at 23% and you're like sat there with a cup of tea and like a sarni. (laughs) So radio is a lot of fun. And that's okay just to be open about that. Like to say, yeah, it's fine to just sit in my pajamas and just you know, be on oh, the radio. Well, yeah, and I mean, obviously, yeah. don't tell anyone that's paying me to be on the radio that I'm sat in my pajamas <laughs> doing that. But um, yeah, why not? Like, it's the no, advice you're giving, you? I suppose. It's inf- <laughs> you're getting the information. Yeah, exactly. I what mean, does it matter where I'm sitting? Face for radio, like it's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, who's your biggest inspiration in terms of? It could be a TV doctor. It could be someone on TV. It could be just a doctor. Um. Gosh almighty. So the reason I wanted to be a GP was because of a doctor that, uh, whilst I was at med school, I did a little kind of something like a three week placement with this doctor. And um, Sarah, God, what's her name? Sarah White, oh God, I can't remember. She worked in the Binfield practice. If you're listening, Sarah, (laughs) I love you. she was so inspiring because I remember going to her practice and she goes, she was really chilled. Um, she was like on busy terms with all of her um, patients. And like she came in, one, I came in one day, she was like, do you want this perfume? And it was like a Burberry perfume. I was like, um, how come? She was like, oh, patient just gave it to me. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> yes, please. And obviously I was a student. I was like, I, I was using 
boyfriend's links at the time, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was like, yes, I'll have Burberry, please. And then she'd, um, she'd be like, oh, I can't teach you next week. Um, I'm horse riding in the Himalayas. <laughs> I was just like, what? This woman is incredible. So... I came to realise that you could be like a really good, wonderful doctor that patients love, but also still have a life where you're horseback riding in the Himalayas. And she was just a total inspiration. I loved her. So it's great being a doctor. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. It's wicked. Be a doctor. Stay in school, kids, and be a doctor. I'd love to have been a doctor. I just would never care enough. That? No, no, no. I haven't got there time. Was, there was a guy in my uh, med school who was probably in his 70s when he first started with like studying medicine with us wow yeah. really and He's... what was so great is that when we were on the wards yeah. ev- like patients everyone just assumed he was the consultant so he just breathed through <laughs> medicine Amazing. No, none of, no one would like question him on anything no one would like give him pop quizzes <laughs> that's incredible i know so oh, it's not a bad way to do it no okay so okay so if i'm going to create the nathan k foundation which i explained earlier on yeah. Um, what could you, what do you think that you could maybe deliver on that? Um, I'd like to think that I could try and help people through the process of wanting to be a doctor if they did. Because a lot of people love the idea of medicine and go through that, but either don't have people to have inspired them to do it, or they don't feel that they'd be capable to do it, or, or you know, they didn't think they could get the grades or whatever. And I think it would be quite nice to be able to say that actually medicine is for everyone there isn't a reason you can't there's no reason unless you put a reason upon yourself not to do it yeah um if you work hard enough if you've got if you've got the the right attitude you can do it anyone can do it yeah she's got a big good person yeah you you (laughs) that's about it no bad people apply um dr sarah Sarah, it's been amazing having you on thank Thank you so much and uh if anyone wants to follow dr sarah i'll drop her details below um any questions for in the future Please let me know and I'll pass them on. But yeah, thank you very much for watching. I'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.